Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada. Today, as we continue our series in 1 Corinthians, we'll examine what the church represents in a message entitled, Buildings That Endure. So let's turn in our Bibles now to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 15, and join Dr. John Newfound. I find it interesting to think that every building I see will one day cease to exist. I don't know where you live, but I have an assignment for you. Go to your city or town and look at the buildings. I mean, look at the office towers, the high-rises filled with condos. Go look at the major retail outlets, the malls, the spread of suburban houses that seem to go on and on. Maybe you want to look at the restaurants and stores or the warehouses, the buildings that manufacture things. Look at the great artistic buildings that give character to your city. Look at the sports stadiums, the church buildings, museums, and political buildings. So much of life is taken up in identifying these familiar markets that seem so permanent, so very stable. Yet they will all collapse one day. All that you see is temporary. A time will come when there will not be one small marker that any of these things ever existed. They are here but for a brief moment and disappear forever. Thinking that way changes one's viewpoint. What seems so solid and permanent is in fact dust. The wind will blow it away. Some buildings will only last 50 years, and others, like the pyramids in Egypt, will last several millennia. But in the end, there will be no sign that they ever existed. I know. I've stood at the base of the pyramids and have seen how amazingly old and weathered they look close up. Decay has set in. That's unstoppable. You know, I've been in some of the great cathedrals in Europe, and I'm aware that I've never been in any one of them where there have not been repairs going on. Pollution, acid rain are increasing the rate of decay, but they were already degenerating. The workers are just trying to fix as fast as they're breaking down. They're simply trying to forestall the inevitable. Did you know, but there is one building that will never collapse. It will never decay. It will never cease to exist. It will never look old and worn. It's true. Nothing will ever destroy this building. What kind of building is it? Well, it's a temple. Where is it? It's all over the world. What's it made of? Well, that's the most amazing thing of all. It's not made of wood or bricks or cement or stone. It's made up of the most amazing building materials. Here's how the Bible describes it in 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Did you hear that? The building materials for this building are people. The temple is the church made up of living stones. Each stone is the life of a believer, and each life is part of the building that will stand forever. All through eternity, your life as one of the lives redeemed by Jesus will be beautiful. It will be on display. It will be a part of the building that stands forever to the glory of God. But hold on, there's, there's more. Every single believer is not only a stone in the eternal house of God, but every single believer is also called upon to join in building the house of God. You know, yesterday we talked about Paul and Apollos, men who were assigned a task from God. Well, that was true of them, but in a very real way, it's true of every believer. If I were to ask you the question, what is your personal assignment from God, how would you answer? Some of you would say, I know what God has entrusted me to do. And you would say that with a great deal of confidence. You may be aware of your spiritual gifts and how you use them, and you're finding a great joy in serving God as He and His providence has called you to do. But others of you might believe that you have an assignment from God, but you're just not aware of what it is. What is God's assignment for me? 
Well, let me provide a brief answer to that question. Your assignment from God is to be a builder in the house of God. But with that calling comes a warning. Each of us need to make sure that we're not shoddy workmen. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as by fire. If you're following me in this series on the first four chapters of 1 Corinthians, you remember that Paul is helping a church that has lost its way. This was a church of Jesus in a thoroughly pagan world, in a culture lost in idolatry and sensuality, the worship of money, the love of entertainment, and the expression of any so-called freedom. In this culture, God had acted in grace and established a church with a message. Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross so that you might believe and be reconciled with God. This is the only hope for a perishing world, and that hope has come to you in Corinth. And well, this was wonderful. God was being glorified in this city. Hope was being given to those who had none. Grace was offered to sinners. Lives were being transformed. People in Corinth were talking about this message, and God's people were encountering Jesus. But somewhere along the way, this wonderful thing had been hurt by discord and division and infighting and misunderstanding, not in the culture, but in the church. Soon the divisions were more prominent than the message of the cross. The divisions were the things that people were talking about now. Clearly, the Corinthian church needed to return to its mission, and clearly they needed new insights. And so Paul wants them to return to the foundation of what the church is really all about and what it means to be a part of it. He wants them to know that a foundation has been laid to an eternal building, and now it's time to build onto it. He wants them to see that they are a part of a grand project, building the church of Jesus Christ. You know, some structures are set up overnight. If you want to put up a tent, well, it'll take probably about 10 minutes and it's up. If you want to build a single family wood frame house, I understand that you can build that in about four to five months. If you want to build a large stadium, maybe a year and a half. If you build a great cathedral in Europe, well, some of those took several hundred years and many generations of workers to build, but the church of Jesus Christ is taking longer than that. It's a building yet in progress after 2,000 years. And this is the project that the Corinthians were a part of building, and indeed, this is the project we're building on in our day. It's an expression of the wisdom of God. See, when Paul arrived in Corinth, the city was in love with Greek philosophical wisdom. I've mentioned the Greek orators, public speakers, who would wow huge crowds with their speaking ability. They would usually combine Greek philosophical wisdom, stories that were intended to reach into your emotions, and a certain style that would move people to a certain point of view. And in contrast, Paul's ministry, well, it looked so different. According to 2 verse 1, uh, some people felt that he wasn't overwhelmingly eloquent. 
And according to 2 verse 2, he was determined not to use Greek philosophy, but he would only preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, a message that most of the people in Corinth would have thought to be foolishness. That was the message, and with that came the method. Paul would begin a church, no great stadium, just a people of God. And that seemed weak and ineffective. But here we are, 2,000 years later, and none of us remembers those powerful Corinthian speakers. We don't remember their names, we don't remember what they said, and all they did in influencing the lives that have long been forgotten. But on the other hand, this foolish thing, preaching Jesus and building the church, has lasted, and we still know exactly what was done. We know the names of the people who did it, and we know it's still being done today. That's an expression of the wisdom of God. But there's more. Our assignment from God is to build on that structure. Look again at verse 10. According to the grace God has given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Just so we understand Paul's assignment from God, it's helpful to hear how frequently he speaks of it. For instance, in Romans 15, verse 20, Paul writes, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Or listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 10, 15 to 16. We do not boast beyond the limit of the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of the work already done in another's area of influence. Paul knew very clearly what he was about. His assignment from God was to go to cities and countries where the name of Jesus had never been heard before. And there he would preach Christ, win a group of people to faith, teach them the basics of the faith, set up local leadership and a pattern for worship, and then find leadership he would entrust that church to. He laid the foundation, and then he would have others build on it. He was, in his own language, a skilled master builder who laid the foundation of the church. But Paul had a task beyond that. He was not just laying the foundation of a local church or the church in a country, but the church of Jesus Christ for all time. In Ephesians 2, 19 to 20, he lays this out very clearly. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In other words, what Paul and the other apostles were doing was unique. And when we come back, we'll pick up on that line of thought. What a great reminder of what the Church of Jesus Christ really is. It is the only building that will never be destroyed or disappear. Not only that, but as Paul says, it is our duty and privilege as God's people to play an active role in building up his church by serving him and others. And when we return after the break, Dr. Neufeld will help us understand the significance of what the apostles did when they laid down the foundation of the church. At year's end, we can't help but reflect on the partnership of so many across Canada that make this Bible teaching ministry possible particularly the important role our monthly partners play in providing consistent, reliable, foundational support for every resource Back to the Bible Canada has to offer. Recently, Jane wrote these words of encouragement. As monthly partners, my husband and I count it a great privilege to financially support Back to the Bible Canada. It's just a small but important way for us to partner in the gospel. 
Through listening to Dr. John's podcasts, we are challenged to know the Bible and prioritize our relationship with our Savior. Jane, your commitment to Bible teaching means so much. Perhaps as we look to a new year, others might join with Jane as a partner in the gospel by becoming a monthly partner. All you need to do is call 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. What Paul and the other apostles were doing was not only unique, it was never to have been repeated. By that I mean that no one else has ever done the same thing or will do the same thing. They were laying down the foundation of this building called the Universal Church. Uh, What they have done is done once and for all. That is, by the way, why I would argue that there are no more apostles today. If there were apostles today in the way that it is described in the Bible, we would have to admit that what they write has equal weight to the Bible. Just like any building, the foundation is laid down only once. All building that occurs after that only builds on the foundation that was laid. And this foundation was perfectly laid. That foundation is the New Testament and the whole Bible, which lays out the basis for our life, the church. That's why we're so vigilant about something that in Latin was called sola scriptura. It means scriptures alone. In other words, we allow no pope, no charismatic leader, no intellectual, no other book, no latest book, no ancient preacher, no latest preacher, no one to compete with the foundation. It was laid by apostles and prophets who were selected by Jesus. Now, Paul calls this in verse 10 the grace of God. God in his choosing and with his power and his goodness chose Paul and the other apostles to lay the foundation of the church. It's not that Paul was capable of this, but it was God's grace that gave it to him. And because of grace, Paul can say without blushing, without feeling proud, that he was the skilled master builder who laid down the foundation of this eternal building, this temple called the church. Wow. How important it was for the Corinthian church to know that. With all their factions in which they were rating how effective Paul was, how hopelessly blind they were in this, why couldn't they see the foundation that was laid? So we've talked about this grand project, the building of an eternal building that will never pass away. But now, let's talk about the foundation for the building, the truth in Christ. Look again at verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, of course, there have been plenty of other foundations laid throughout history. The builders of the Tower of Babel believed they were laying a foundation to a super society never to be destroyed, but of course, their names are no longer remembered. Plenty of empires have risen and fallen. In our day, we remember that Adolf Hitler claimed he would build a Third Reich that would stand for a thousand years, and it only lasted for a decade. The point is not that other foundations have not been laid. The point is that there is but one foundation to a building that will stand for all of eternity. No one can lay a foundation to an eternal building. It simply can't be done except in this one instance. And the only building materials that could be used to lay such a foundation are the building materials of the gospel, announcing the cross of Jesus Christ as the expression of the majesty and wisdom of God. The Greek orators in Corinth had no eternal building materials, but Paul had them. No other foundation can be laid but this. But let's slow down a bit and consider what's been said. First, remember that the foundation is Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
It's clear what Paul did. He did not design this foundation. He laid it. Let's also be very clear of what the foundation is not. It's not New Testament ethics. And the way you hear some church leaders talk about the church, they will say it was founded upon following Jesus. Now, that all sounds good, but when you scratch beneath the surface, you find out that they talk about Jesus, well, either his peace ethic or his anti-violence ethic or his ethic regarding money, his ethic of inclusion of prostitutes, tax collectors, the ethics of including despised people, and that for them forms the foundation of the church. And so they will talk about the inclusion of people of different sexual different moral, different racial backgrounds, but ethics, even the ethics of Christ himself, is not the foundation of the church. Such a foundation crumbles as their popularity slowly disintegrates with time. But Paul makes it clear that the only foundation that will stand is Jesus Christ, and within the context of Corinthians, it is Christ in his saving work for our sins accomplished on the cross. This is the wisdom of God. It is Christ, the God-man, Jesus Christ, God of very God, becoming a man, humbling himself, and becoming obedient to the point of death, dying for the sins of the world and for our sins, and rising from the dead, victorious forever. That's the foundation of the church. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no other foundation for the church. I would go even beyond that statement to say, wherever a church does not stress the saving work of Christ's cross for our sins, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus, let me say it again, wherever a church does not make the cross its center for existence, it is not a real church. It's not a church at all. It's kind of like what Phil Calloway talked about some time ago. He was in a foreign country where they were selling Rolex watches, and the vendor said that he could have his choice between the fake, the fake fake, and the really fake. So let me say this. Any so-called church not established on the foundation of the real Jesus, the God-man dying on the cross for our sins, whose forgiveness is applied by grace through faith, is fake, fake fake, and really fake. It's not the real thing. The only foundation is Christ and him crucified. Now, notice something else about the foundation. It has been laid down once and for all. Now, I borrow that phrase from Jude verse 3, when Jude talks about the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, look again at verse 11. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. It was C.K. Barrett who put it this way. Paul does not mean that it would be impossible to construct a community on a different basis, only that such a community will not be the church. Now let's get back to the main point. The Christian church in the ancient city of Corinth didn't seem to understand that basic thing. They were busy dividing into factions. They didn't know that Paul had an assignment from God to lay down an eternal foundation. They had taken their eye off the main thing. And how easy it is to do that today. See, these people didn't know that they also had an assignment from God. And their assignment was to build upon the foundation that had once been laid. It was to proclaim the significance of Christ and build a community around the cross. These people didn't understand that what they had been called to do was of eternal significance. And that's where we started today. Every building you see will one day perish with age, except 
the Church of Jesus Christ, made up of lives of individuals who are saved by Christ. And so let me ask you this question. Are you building or are you tearing down? Are you giving your life for something that matters? Or are you giving your life to something that simply doesn't matter? Will you suffer the complete loss of all things that you've worked for for a lifetime, or is your work never to be forgotten in all of eternity? Is what you're giving your life for going to matter a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, and so forth? Oh, you know what? You'll want to join me tomorrow as we finish this important passage when we ask, how can I be involved in the eternal project of God? What is my assignment from God? But today, I want to ask you this question. Are you working at the building that will remain forever? Are you giving your life to that which is significant? Have you forgotten that the church of Jesus Christ that you're a part of is more significant than any other thing that you can be a part of? Are you glorying in what God has done when he created the church? Heavenly Father, I pray for God's people. I ask, O Lord God, that you would help us again to see how significant is this thing that you have created, the Church of the Living Savior. Thank you for including us in your great project. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. John, I love this message. It reminds me of the true nature of the church. It's, it's not a building. It's not even a, a good group of people working together for a good cause. John, remind us what the church really is again. Yeah, so often we talk about the church as the people of God, and that is true. That's who we are. And church is people and not a building, all those kind of things. But when we say the people of God, we must say the people of God who live under the message of the cross. Christ died for us. His death is our substitutionary payment to God. Our sins are wiped away because of Christ. So we are the people of God surrounding the message of Jesus in his cross. That's what the true church is. As fallen people, I think we can admit our tendency to allow divisions and conflict to cause damage within the body of Christ. But it's clear that Paul gives the Corinthians an ultimate solution as he reminds them of what the church is really all about. It's as if he's urging them to remember who they are and what they've been called to do. And when this happens, they will learn to quit arguing and become united in the gospel. I hope that today's study has been a blessing to you. As we wrap up week three in the series tomorrow, be sure to tune in for another lesson on 1 Corinthians with Dr. Newfeld. Back to the Bible Canada, leading you forward in your walk with Jesus every day. This Christmas, join with us for a renewed vision for the season, a renewed passion to stand shoulder to shoulder in advancing the clear message of the gospel story. For us, a child is born. While December is the time of year that sets the tone for the new year of ministry ahead, your gifts ensure the gospel message is heard across the nation. So whether you're a long-standing partner in ministry or you've recently been impacted by any of the Bible teaching programs of Back to the Bible Canada, could we ask you to stand with us this month in our effort to raise $465,000 by December 31st? Your gift among other committed ministry partners across Canada will sustain and grow this Bible teaching ministry into 2020. 
please consider sending your gift to support the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada today. Call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit us at backtothebible.ca.